My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Good morning to you on this Blessed Trinity Sunday. Pentecost last week was our commemoration of the sending of the Holy Spirit to empower the followers of Jesus to go into the world. And today on Trinity Sunday, we take a look at God's revealing of himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Today, my sermon title is Theology, Task, and Virtue, and we'll be looking at the tripart nature of the Great Commission. And we're going to try to avoid the two temptations that preachers have on Trinity Sunday. The first is being to try to over-explain the idea through overly dense theological explanations that go over everybody's head. But then the second one is just as bad as try to oversimplify what we're talking about by using very bad examples and trying to dumb it down way too much. So today what we'll do after the sermon is we'll be confessing the Athanasian Creed, which is a great summary of this. Uh, but this is what I'll be speaking on today, the tripart nature of the Great Commission. So in this reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, this is right before Jesus ascends. He gathers his remaining 11 disciples to the mountain. He gives them the Great Commission. And it's brief, so I'll just reread it. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. One of the church fathers, a man named St. Theophilact of Ocrid, he said that Jesus' words here gives two essentials to Christianity. The first essential to Christianity, he says, these words give is theology, and the second one, he says, is virtue. And I think that's an interesting observation, so I'm going to build off what he uh, said in his commentary on Matthew, but I'm going to be a little bit cheeky and suggest, uh, and I'm not cor- correcting St. Theophilac, but I think we can add one thing here to his description to flesh it out a little bit to reveal what's going on here in a tripartite way. And this third thing is task. So we're going to talk about theology, virtue, and task. So when I say the word theology, theology is what helps us in our dogmatic formulations, right? But we always have to remember, right, because of the the limits of human language and the limits of human understanding, no matter how precise our language is and our dogmas, they don't give us the full picture. There's always going to be something of God that is beyond our grasp, that's beyond our knowledge, that's beyond anything that we can comprehend. And this is because we are human. But then on the other side, though, we cannot respond and say, well, because of the limits of human knowledge and understanding, then dogma doesn't really matter. So it's totally up in the air what you believe or what you don't believe, just as long as you believe in something. Well, I would disagree with that and say that that's troublesome. Because while we acknowledge our human limitations and what we can know and what we can't know about God, we have to acknowledge that there are things that we can know about God because God has revealed them to us through the scriptures, through his son, through the church. And the Trinity is one of these things where someone might say, this is too complicated, uh, this is too hard. So it just, the idea doesn't really matter. And the precise language of the faith gives us what we need. And I think over, over speculation about 
the doctrine of the Holy Trinity leads to actual real heresy. The theological content in view here is Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. And then the second part is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? So as the Messiah, Jesus' authority over his kingdom, right, we know that his kingdom is not of this world. Right? He says that. He tells that to Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. But even though Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, it's still breaking into this world. It's actually overtaking this world. Right? The disciples go out and they preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, his first sermon, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is overtaking the kingdoms of this world and he shall reign forever. One day this world will pass away. If you want to know more about that, come join us on Wednesday night in Revelation. We're actually getting towards the end. So you can just catch the end where we're going to be talking about this. The world passing away and God making all things new. But the kingdom of Christ is overtaking the kingdoms of this world. And Christ, as the Messiah, as the King, as the Lord, He rules and reigns over all things. And this is Trinitarian, right? The mission that we're given. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the Athanasian Creed, we're going to confess in just a few moments, it says, So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet they are not three gods, but one God. And we see that the Great Commission is a Trinitarian activity. The Father sends the Son. The Son accomplishes our salvation. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Father through the Son and empowers those who follow. And we are sent out in His name and in this authority. And then we'll talk about the task. Well, the task is, Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. Well, how do we do that, Jesus? Well, He says... By baptizing them in this Trinitarian formula, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's through baptism. There's a very interesting shift in our culture, brothers and sisters, where we have moved towards this understanding. Okay, let me put it like this. There's a mindset in the church, right? We have formation, and we set it up in opposition maybe to, to, to revivalism, right? So what's underlying a lot of Christian theology in many churches is this idea of how many people can we get saved? Well, how many people do we get saved? Well, they'll give an altar call and they'll count how many people raise their hands when they give, you know, when they, when they make the offer. Who wants to believe in Jesus? And then you count them and that's how many people got saved today, right? Well, that comes from revivalism, right? That's, that's, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that's wrong. That could be useful. It could be helpful. But Jesus says, make disciples through baptism, one of these things is not like the other. One is sort of an instantaneous thing where you're just sort of thrust into the life of the church. Here's the decision you made, now get involved. The other is a process. It's slow, right? Baptism and catechesis, baptism and being taught versus instantaneous, you're in, let's go. Jesus said we make disciples through baptizing them. Right? So that means teaching them. That means, that means them being formed in the faith. And then the third piece is virtue. Right? Virtue. And virtue is part and parcel of the Christian faith. Right? We are called as Christians to holy living. To holy living. 
And today, vir virtue signaling is not the same thing as the living out of virtue. And we don't hear a lot about virtue anymore because in our culture today, virtue is equivalent to believe, believing the accepted orthodoxies of our culture, even if they're sinful or lead to chaos, right? And you may think about that, okay, and we heard the Genesis story read this morning, right? Genesis chapter one about how God creates everything and then the chaos that's there, God orders it, right? God orders that chaos. And that's what virtue is for us, brothers and sisters, is the, reori uh, the reordering of the chaos of our fallen sinful human nature. Right? First happens with when we're forgiven, we're brought to new life in Christ. But it, it's the ongoing Christian life. It's the ongoing acquisition and living out of virtue. The Christian life is marked out by practices and by ways of life that stand contra the world, that look different from the world. And I think part of the major issues that most of us have in the Christian life, right, is we are called to live in a different way. But we don't want to, because we want to live in another way. We want to live in our way. We don't want to live in God's way. And when we try to live in God's way, the part of us that wants to live in God's way argues with the parts of us that wants to live our way. And some of us that we just throw up our hands and don't try either, and some of us just go our own way. And that's part of the Christian life, right? It's learning to, to live in that tension and turn ourselves, to turn our hearts over to God. The formation of virtue is important. It's not enough just to virtue signal. It's to live virtuously. Right? The commands of Christ are not optional. He says... Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All that I have commanded you. And it's interesting, right? In some Christian circles, you'll hear people talking about the keeping of Christ's commands as law, right? We don't have to do that. That's law. That's not gospel. So that's not binding on the Christian. No. Part of the Great Commission is Jesus is saying, teach them to observe all my commandments. Right? Jesus says, you know, one of the ways I'll know you, I know you love me, is like, you know, the way you love for me, the, the love you have for one another, but also by keeping my commandments. The commandments of Christ are not optional, and the commandments of Christ and our following of the commandments of Christ is what helps us live virtuously. It's what helps us to live virtuously. It helps us to live in a way that testifies to the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of what he's done for us, and the truth of the love that God has for us. So today on this Trinity Sunday, may we take part in this tripart nature of the Great Commission. May this theology, this virtue, this task, may it be one that we live, one that we embody in ourselves as we seek to live and follow our Lord Jesus Christ, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand. This morning we're going to confess the Athanasian Creed. Let us confess together. Whoever will be saved before all things, it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. And the Catholic faith is this that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, 
the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal, such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the Holy Ghost incomprehensible. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. As also there are not three incomprehensibles, nor three uncreated, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, and the Holy Ghost Almighty. And yet they are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son Lord, and the Holy Ghost Lord. And yet not three lords, but one Lord. For like as we are compelled by the Christian verity to acknowledge every person by himself to be both God and Lord, so we are forbidden to say there be three gods or three lords. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is of the Father alone, not made nor created, but begotten. The Holy Ghost is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. So there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Ghost, not three Holy Ghosts. And in this Trinity, none is afore or after other, none is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal, so that in all things the unity and Trinity and the Trinity and unity is to be worshipped. He therefore that will be saved must think thus of the Trinity. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you are ever in the area, please join us for worship. We'd love to meet you. If you have any questions about what you heard, or if you would like prayer, please reach out to us on our Facebook page or our website, zionstoneucc.com. We also are raising funds for some repairs to our stained glass windows. So if you get a benefit from listening to this podcast, please head over to gofundme.com slash zionstonechurchrepairfund. God bless you, and thanks for listening.